Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. We hope you got through Halloween okay and are getting ready uh, for the snows, which will eventually fall. But boy, what a beautiful Indian summer we've all enjoyed. I have a woman that's been on the airwaves in the Twin Cities for over 20 years. She also performs as Mother Banjo, but as the host of the KFAI Woman Folk Radio Show, we have Ellen Stanley, who's going to be presenting a great lineup of female performers celebrating the 20th anniversary of, uh, anniversary of Woman Folk, November 20th, at the gorgeous Parkway Theater with musicians such as Anne Reed, Molly Mayer, Jonathan Brooke, Mary Cutrafello, and she'll tell us about the rest. So, Ellen, how are you tonight? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Paul. Well, it's great uh, great to have you on. I know you're a busy woman. Uh, I know we might have a cameo by your son at some point. <laughs> yes. what's, your son's na- what's your son's name? How old is he? Yeah, Stan uh, Stanley. He is three and a half, and he's just, you know, full of energy and is working on his radio voice. <laughs> Well, there's no time like the present. So, Ellen, let's uh, let, we're going to jump all over this interview to get a little background on yourself. Let's start first with how did uh, Women Folk Radio Show uh, start on KFAI 20 years ago? Well, it's it's had a long history on KFAI, which, uh, as you know, uh, KFAI Community Radio volunteer-run station in Minneapolis. Um, they've always had a mission of amplifying. Uh, voices that don't get enough airtime and attention on mainstream media. So um, there's always been a lot of women's programming and women folks started probably at least 13 years before I even moved to the Twin Cities, which was in 2001. And uh, Catherine Azor Minda was a host of that show and did a beautiful job with it. And when she was getting ready to move to Boston, um, I was getting involved with the station around that time and had subbed for the show and she encouraged me to apply to um, take over that show, and I did, And because I had done radio in college, uh, did a women's programming in college, and um, I, I got the show, and now it's been 20 years later, and I'm still doing it. Wow. So it's a lot of fun. Well, congratulations. Uh, I can't say enough about Cafe High, whether it was my band Cats and the Stars that uh, played uh, live show at KFAI back when they broadcast from the Walker Church in South Minneapolis and my first record that came out in 84. They've been such a friend of in- independent musicians like ourselves. And mm-hmm. I remember years ago when I was going down to play in Austin, Texas, they also, you probably know, of the great station down there, KUT, that broadcasts yeah. out of the University of uh, Texas, uh, right in, on the Austin campus, right down the hallway from uh, Austin City Limits. And I brought a, uh, there was a fellow, a great DJ named Larry Monroe down there who became a very good friend of mine. And I brought him down a poster, one of the, posters that they gave as a giveaway if you would donate uh, one of the membership fund drives for KFAI. And it was a picture of a variety of uh, people on there, all races, creeds, and religions. And it said the the, uh, tagline on the poster was, we have shows we don't even like. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds about right. And certainly KFAI has been such a big part of my life since moving to the Twin Cities, even before I started hosting Women Folk. 
I started volunteering as soon as I moved to town and it's how so many of my important personal friendships as well as professional ones have came have come through KFAI either people fellow DJs musicians I've met just from being in the studios and from hosting the show so it's and and I think you I first met you Paul I believe um on like um when you were on maybe Bob Feldman show or something like that so that, that could have very well been yes there's a yeah you know, I listened to, of course, uh, it was probably a little before your time, but I, uh, I'm sure you've heard of the Lazy Bill Lucas show, uh, the great blues piano player. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the great Willie Murphy, another great blues piano player, took that yeah. over. And so when I first moved to town, I listened to the Lazy Bill show. And then, of course, uh, every, I forget what night it was, uh, but uh, when Willie Murphy hosted it. And, then, you know, like a lot of... Uh, for those of you that heard the uh, Bob Dylan's uh, theme time radio hour, or mm-hmm. lucky enough way back in the day to hear Peter Wolf of the Jay Giles Band back when he was a DJ in the 60s, or Oscar Brand in New York City, the great folk singer mm, with his yeah. radio show, there's there's a real nice connection uh, with musicians that do radio shows. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, and I wasn't even playing out music, really. Uh, I mean, I was a musician, but I wasn't playing publicly or playing my own songs out when I first started hosting women folk. Um, but I think you're right. I think, I think what's special about community stations like KFAI and where you're at, um, is that like they, the, the expertise and the passion for the music and, and the relationships that we have because we're in the music scene, I think make the radio shows more rich. And I certainly also keep learning about the music scene by hosting the show. So I think it's a nice circle of listeners and fans and musicians kind of coming together uh, to spread the gospel of good music, you know? You're exactly right, Ellen Stanley. And now when I'm thinking about uh, Willie, Murphy, who I, Willie Murphy, who I think about quite a bit, actually, and uh, the cool thing about Willie's show was he you were listening to Willie Murphy's records. He would bring <laughs> a stash of his own personal collection uh, to hear, and uh, he, he just had such a, a great vibe. Now, you had, uh, let's talk a little bit about how Ellen Stanley came and ended up in the Twin Cities. Yeah. Well, I, um, I grew up in New England, in uh, New Haven area of Connecticut, uh, southern Connecticut, and, uh, but I went to college in Ohio, went to Oberlin College, and that's where I got involved with radio, hosting a weekly show on WOBC. And that's kind of where I really immersed myself in folk music of all different varieties and flavors. And, um, and then after, uh, and then, so while I was a student, I got really into promoting other people's music. Again, I wasn't really performing out, but I was just a big fan. And started a folk festival and interned with a couple record labels. And I had met Bob Feldman, who founded Red House Records and, you know, was based in St. Paul uh, and hosted a show on KFAI. I met him through that work of promoting the folk festival and booking, booking a bunch of Red House artists. So I met him then and I actually interviewed with him for a job when I was still a senior in college uh, and I was looking at moving to the Twin Cities and uh, the timing didn't work out. He needed a publicist right then, and I hadn't graduated yet. So, But we stayed in touch, and I ended up moving to the Twin Cities anyway just because I liked the music scene and the vibe, and it was affordable at the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I moved out here and uh, just, again, got involved with the music scene right away, and KFAI was probably 
the biggest part of that. Uh, later, I did end up working for Red House Records, but um, it, I had a couple jobs before then. But again, Bob Feldman and I ended up being radio neighbors. So we'd always exchange records and share notes about shows we had seen. And, and then he was like, when are you going to work for me at Red House Records? And I said, when you offer me a job. And, you know, <laughs> eventually the timing worked out and I did. But again, that's just another example of, of KFAI being a, a connection point for me in the local and national music scene. And um, and I think it continues to be that, hopefully for listeners as well, uh, that people always say, oh, I, I went to that show because I heard you play that one song. And that nothing makes me more happy than that. If I can encourage people to not just discover new music, but then actually support it by you know, paying to go to shows and buying people's records. Um, that's how the music is going to continue. So uh, people ask me, you know, are you going to how long are you going to keep doing women folks since I volunteer to do this job <laughs> every week? And um, I say, well, as long as either, you know, KFAI wants me and there's, you know, an audience for the music. And um, as long as I'm having fun and I'm not bored because there's so much good new music and of course great old records to play but there's i never get bored you know there's always new new artists coming in on the scene or that i discover in my travels so well um, so far i think it's gonna maybe be another 20 years but we'll see <laughs> well good for you and of course uh, we're talking with ellen stanley who also performs as mother banjo we're talking about a great show celebrating 20 years of woman folk on the air on kfai november 20th doors at 6 uh, PM shows at 7 PM at the Parkway Theater up there, 40th something in Chicago. Speaking of great uh, musicians, you can discover one of my things that I brag about over the years back when I was living, moved, just moved to Northeast Minneapolis. I was working with Jeff Maritko who ran Mazelax. And back then, there wasn't a lot of bands in Northeast Minneapolis that didn't have an accordion player. Well, Jeff and I started to get some great musicians, uh, including a young band out of Duluth called Trampled by Turtles. Uh, another mm -hmm. young guitar player, player out of Duluth did his... Uh, Twin Cities debut at my artist corner that I did on Tuesday nights by the name of Charlie Parr. And there was another young woman I met, and uh, we've talked about this, and so she will admit to it. I gave her her first uh, quote-unquote professional gig live show at Maze Lacks in 1997. She's going to be performing at your show at the Parkway. Let's hear something by the most lovely Molly Mayer. All right, we just listened to Molly Mayer. And uh, you're listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzen. Ellen Stanley, let's talk a little about Molly Mayer because she is so damn good. Yeah, I know. She's like um, an amazing guitar player, which is kind of how I, I think a lot of people first kind of heard her. She's also a great songwriter and singer, has, you know, led her own great bands. Uh, but also she's a great curator, too, of the Twin Cities music scene. She is. She has run a lot of great concert series, uh, one that she used to do at James J. Hill Library in St. Paul. She's uh, done the, you know, Lower Town Guitar Festival. Um, you know, she's booked stuff at Como Park. She just really is um, tapped into not just the local music scene, but what's coming up nationally, brought in a lot of artists from Texas and other parts of the country. And um, so that's something that I really love about Molly. Is she also is very community-minded has great taste and she's just a fiery guitar player. So yeah. I was really, and she was one of those artists that I discovered pretty early on after moving here, um, playing at some 
Irish bar and her and Eric Koskinen. And I just was blown away. And I've known her probably ever since then, you know. Um, so I, one of my big goals with this show was to showcase a variety of different styles of songwriters that have been a part of the show. And it had a long history of the show and um, and also different generations of artists. So trying to have some young artists like the OK Factor, which is this great young string duo, um, all the way up through, you know, legends like Anne Reed and everyone in between. So um, that was kind of one of the goals of putting up this lineup, because, of course, there's a million great artists that I, if I had unlimited time, I would love to showcase as part of this. But for me, this was more of a a personal roster of artists that I've loved and have been a big part of the show over the years. Yes, and the other great thing about Molly is uh, over the years she's worked on and off at Willie's uh, Guitar in St. Paul, and I bumped into somebody just within the last couple of months who had a great Martin guitar, and I said, where did you get that? And they said, Molly Mayer suggested I buy <laughs> this when I went into Willie's. So she wears so many hats, and they're all really cool and groovy. And I have to throw tip my hat to Molly, too, because although I don't play guitar, I play the banjo. Um, I was in Willie's one time, and I was looking just for um, a DI box, and um, and Molly happened to be working that day, and I was like, I just need something good where I can do some basic EQ on my banjo, but it doesn't have to be fancy. You know, I don't need pedals or whatever. And she said, oh, you know, get get a bag. Those are great. And um, and she's like, actually, Charlie Parr just brought this one in the other day. Oh, cool. So I ended up buying this um, DI box that had been Charlie's. And I and I it's the only box I've ever owned. And, you know, I, I like to think it has some of that Charlie Parr and Molly Mayer mojo on it. <laughs> oh, well, it certainly does. I believe in that. In fact, I was so happy to see a couple of weeks ago on Facebook where the uh, great uh, uh, Everybody's God who loves folk music in the Twin Cities and around the America, the uh, world's greatest living folk singer next to Ramblin' Jack Elliott, Spider John Kerner, Will gave one of his uh, guitars to Charlie Parr, a real passing of the baton, and I can't think of a Better guy to get that than Mr. Parr. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about Mother Banjo, your banjo playing. And when did you start playing a banjo, uh, Ellen Stanley? And when did you start performing? Well, that also came with my move to the Twin Cities. It was kind of around the same time I started at KFAI. So moving to Minneapolis was has been big in my life in lots of ways. And it's shaped my music and my work. Um, but yeah, I, um, I had kind of fallen in love with the banjo in college. Um, and I've been a musician my whole life, sang, wrote, but like, I, I didn't really, I never really took up the guitar as a piano player. And it wasn't till I was like, I really need to pick up a string instrument to do the kind, write the kind of music I want to write and be able to play without having to enlist another musician. Cause I didn't really know players in town when I moved to town. So I, I was way more interested in the banjo than the guitar. And I thought there's, a million mediocre guitar players, but there aren't a million mediocre banjo players. <laughs> so uh, most of the banjo players you know of are like really good, you know? Right. Um, hot pickers. And so I, and also it was at the time, especially when I started, there weren't certainly a lot of sign of songwriting banjo players. There were like banjo players and there were, you know, but not people who use it as an accompaniment instrument. So, um, but I really loved the, the tenor of the banjo and I so I just was like I don't need to play guitar I'll just pick up the banjo so I bought I went to Homestead Pick and Parlor in Richfield and 
bought a banjo and took lessons there. And so I started that um, a couple years after I moved to town. I moved to town in 2001 and then um, quickly wanted to learn some John Prine songs and then quickly started writing my own songs. And um, probably 2007, I put out my first record under Mother Banjo. Well, that's fantastic. And uh, as long as we're talking John Prine, one of my pet projects that I started a couple of years ago, uh, John Prine, of course, was a legendary mailman before he became a legendary songwriter. <laughs> and uh, I had this idea after John passed away, there'd be nobody as uh, a fitting tribute to get his own U.S. Uh, United States Postal Service stamp than John Prine. So those of you that agree with me, go to johnprinestamp.com and sign. We've got almost 4,000 signatures. Mm. When we get to 10,000, we're going to present it to the USPS. And uh, all you need is uh, three years from a person's passing to uh, to get a stamp. So johnprinestamp.com. Of course, Ellen Stanley, tell your friends it connects on that. And, oh, I uh, will. You know I'm a big crime fan, so that yes. definitely happened. And all of the uh, the packages I've been sending out for the last several weeks have uh, come adorned with John uh, Pete Seeger stamps. So I'm a big believer in the United States Postal Service, and I love those commemorative stamps. You know what? Even though you're not going to be playing at the 20th anniversary of Women Folk, as long as we're talking Mother Banjo, let's play a Mother Banjo song. What would you suggest right now, Ellen Stanley, would you like us to hear? Well, yeah, speaking of John Prine, I just released a cover of a John Prine song. It's my newest single. It's called Morning Train. Then we are going to listen to that and then back for the rest of the show on the Wall of Power Radio Hour with the great Ellen Stanley. Welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. And I'd like to remind you, my new book is out. Go to paulmetza.com and get your copy of Alphabet Jazz Poetry Prose Stories and Songs on Amazon. Get a lot. Buy for your friends for the holidays. Ellen Stanley, uh... You wear a lot of hats, and uh, I'm proud to say you and I have worked on several projects. You're a, a music a publicist, and you do a, a, a phenomenal job. But tell us about working for uh, Bob Feldman and Red House Records and uh, what you learned from that experience. Well, um I learned so much from that experience. I was a huge fan of Red House. It was like my favorite record label. And so long before I moved to town, I, again, it was one of the reasons I moved to Twin Cities was because of Red House Records. And um, so getting to know Bob Feldman and Red House was such a family, uh, like the staff, the artists. And, um, and Bob really curated that and cultivated that that atmosphere. And most people, most people who worked for the label and most people who ended up recording on the label, their relationship with Bob predated <laughs> their official connection to the label, whether it was being hired or signed to the label. And so um, as a result, it really was a family. And so uh, when Bob hired me, I already had known him for a while, you know, mm -hmm. and of course I knew all the artists. And so and he really tended to hire people who shared the passion and passion for the music and mission for the work of spreading music. And even though it was a for-profit label, we always joked it was a low profit, not a no profit label, but it had that mission sense about it, right? right. That we're around to 
we're here because we love the music and we believe in it and we think it should have an audience. And, and the goal, Bob's goal was always make sure the artists can make a living doing what they're doing. And so, and that really filtered down to every part of what we did at Red House. So I learned a lot from that. And of course, also just Bob's great taste and working with that great team of people, all of whom are still close friends. You know, lost Bob several years back, but but the the folks that I worked with at Red House remain really close, and I've gotten to work with them in a variety of capacities, which has been really great. So, well, and you guys, um, I was the recipient of uh, uh, some really great happy hours you used to have over there. I don't know if it was mm-hmm. just kind of over the holidays, but who's that no, great? No, every Friday, every she- Friday. That happens after. It happens after. Bob passed and uh, we had hired a bunch of new staff around the same time. And there was just a sense of wanting community and to get, you know, cultivate that team because Bob was kind of the ringleader. And after Bob left, we just really wanted to make sure we maintained that spirit. So we every Friday, we'd have a happy hour um, around four, four thirty. And sometimes artists would come in or just local music people or people touring through town. And it was a just a lovely community thing. And I think that's what I learned most from my time at Red House, aside from the nuts and bolts of the music industry and PR work, was really how to cultivate community, because that's what keeps this music going, and that's really what motivates everything I do. That is a really great way to wrap up a lot of things we're talking about. Who was the guy? He came, I, I met him uh, back when I was booking Famous Dave's Barbecue and Blues. He worked for a blues label in Chicago and then he came up. Luke Welsh. Luke. Luke Welsh. Yeah. He worked for Roof Records and he was so amazing. And um, yeah, he was like, he was a big part of that happy hour spirit. Oh, he was a great mixologist. That guy could rock and roll on the booze and cocktails. Where did, how many records did Red House put up and where did the catalog end up? Oh, uh, I have no, I can't remember what the last number I worked on. Because I, um, when I left in 2013 to run the Minnesota Music Coalition, um, I can't remember what the, what number, we were past 200, I think. Wow. In terms of, you know, item <laughs> catalog number, um, I believe. Um, but I don't know um, how high it got up before it got sold. Uh, Red House still exists, but it, it got bought out by Compass Records, another wonderful indie label out of Nashville uh, that run by banjo player Allison Brown. Um, so they bought it, and um, so now it's based in Nashville, not in St. Paul. Um, but, you know, that catalog is still there, so um, you can still find stuff if you go to redhouserecords.com or through the Compass Records website. Great. Now, I was just reading something yesterday where one of the, I have a a good friend of mine who loves the Avid Brothers, and I don't know that much about their music, but one of the guys in the the band is just releasing a record of all of Greg uh, Greg Brown music. And Mm. of course, Red House Records of Bob Feldman, his love of Greg Brown, got that label started. So, and who doesn't love Greg Brown? But does Greg... um, what I I've been kind of out of touch. I met him. You know, he was really good friends with Prudence Johnson, who was a good friend of mine in the in the mid '80s. So I'd see Greg a lot when he played in town. Um, mm-hmm. Then he went out and became one of Amer- you know America's greatest folk singers. Does, is he is Greg still playing? Out? He, he only periodically. He's basically kind of retired, but he is playing a few farewell shows this winter. Uh, he's uh, they 
coaxed him out of retirement to play a few. He's playing at the Cedar Cultural Center in December, actually, in mm-hmm. Minneapolis. So really? I already got my tickets for that. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, he is just, uh, he wrote a song called The Poets Game that is just, if you're a songwriter or a life or musician, uh, you are going to relate to all of the lyrics in that song. So we've got a few more minutes here with Ellen Stanley. Tell us some more about who's performing on uh, November 20th at the Parkway Theater, 20th anniversary of your Woman Folk radio show. I know we've got Ann Reed, Molly Mayer, yeah. Jonathan Brooke, Mary Cutchfield. Who else? Uh, well, we mentioned Molly Mayer, also Becky Schlegel. Oh, Becky's great. Uh, yeah, she's uh, coming up from Rochester, uh, one of my favorite songwriters and singers. Also, uh, Ellis Delaney. Um, Ellis sure. has been a part of Women Folk for a long time, and she'll be there, and the OK Factor, this great string duo who have collaborated with Ellis, and um, they definitely are kind of the young youngest generation, but ever since they've moved to town, they've been a fixture on my show in various capacities. So I'm really excited that they're a part of the show. So it's going to be great. There'll probably be some other surprises, but mainly it'll just be a great night of music and community and all the proceeds are going to benefit KFAI. So it's a good cause and it's just going to be a fun night of music. And it won't, it starts at 7 p.m. It will be done by a reasonable time uh, because it's a Sunday night. So it'll be a lot of fun. Ellen Stanley, I give, uh, I don't like Molly Mary, you wear a lot of different hats in our musical community, and uh, I love that your son is giving us an, enough space here to do this interview. What was it, Was that? did you say his name was Sam? Stan. Stan, actually. okay. <laughs> he has my last name as his first name. So. Oh, yeah, right, <laughs> perfectly. Well, great, well, Ellen Stanley, best of luck. Uh, on your Women Folk 20th anniversary. Keep it going for at least 20 more years. I think what we are going to do is uh, end up with a number by Jonathan Brooke, who I uh, had on my radio show about six weeks ago. And uh, we'll do a song by her that just happened to be the name of my high school band called Damn Everything But The Circus. Ellen Stanley, thank you so much. And uh, your alter ego mother banjo. And I look uh, forward to hearing about a very successful show at the Parkway 20th anniversary of Woman Folk Radio on November 20th. All proceeds go to KFAI. Good work, Ellen. Thank you, Paul. All right, talk to you soon. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. The show is produced by Paul Metza, engineered by John Yellow Cloud Rising Saristo. We'd like to thank our guest, Ellen Stanley. And I've got some great news. If you're looking for something fun to read or a Christmas gift for somebody you love, my book, Alphabet Jazz, Poetry, Prose, Stories, and Songs, is now available on Amazon.com. If you dig it, Family, dogs, music, personalities, and crazy stories, you're going to love that book. And like my dad used to tell me, remember to be kind and make someone happy.